0: What's up, everybody? This is Charlie Radio-Williams, your host on A Stranger to Myself podcast. On this show, we like to look at the lives of artists, their likes, dislikes, fears, passions, and everything in between. On this episode, we are continuing our conversation with Law of the Nerds of the Rounds and host of Tows by Law. So let's just jump into it and get started. Oh, hello, everybody. That took a long time. (laughs) You're going to get it that that took a real long time so we i am still figuring out the intro of of this show and as you can see post prior to bringing law in it's it's we're getting it together so right now we're on episode two of stranger to myself uh once again like i said i'm joined by um artist creator photographer uh a man of many talents um host and creator of Tales by law and co-host Podcast host of Nerds of the Round. Yeah. So, Law, last time <laughs> on the last episode, we we definitely went in on the ideas and the discomforts of what it's like being an artist. Absolutely. All right. So, and that's what this series is about. Uh, recently, I sent you a video earlier from D from Darius, mm-hmm. who I know you follow him. I follow him. Um, I'm very influenced by his work. And on this episode, he was talking about fear, the the fear of getting started or being motivated and, you know, how to overcome that fear. So I think on this episode, we're going to kind of continue with that. We're going to we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, I'll kind of start. I know with myself when it comes to projects and when it comes to like being creative, I can fall down that rabbit hole of am i good enough am i not good enough or imposter syndrome where i'm trying to figure out how do i go about creating you know i can give suggestions and and i can consult with people but sometimes with myself i know i get locked into this closet or this room where i'm filled with all these ideas but i don't know how to start where to go or how to even begin so let me switch this over to you Okay. I know lately you've been talking about, you know, your creative hiccups, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to get started with projects, falling into once again, you know, your own sense of uh, of a room of a closure where, you, you know, you have these ideas, you want to get out there, you want to do something, but you're just stuck.
1: So I try as 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 much as I know that we are all somewhat influenced or ruled by fear. I think the only person I've ever heard that uh, doesn't have fear is Travis Pastrana, uh, but he has very intense nightmares from what I'm told. Hmm. Um, yeah. He was one of, he's one of my uh, people I, I was inspired by growing up with. that said, I always look at projects or at least try to look at projects uh, with a few mindsets. One of those being finished is better than done or finish is better than perfect. Okay. so uh, I am my own worst critic with things. I will look at something and look at something and overanalyze the hell out of it and just think that there needs to be more put into it. I'm not giving it my all. Uh, It's not showcasing my best work. It's lacking in putting my mark on it, whatever the case may be. Um, The other aspect, for a lack of better term, it's just fuck it like you gotta kinda do it. And it was something I try to do in my earlier 20s. Um, again, it's something that isn't particularly easy to do. I, I find myself a lot, a lot of the times when I am working on a project, the fear is a lot Couple a lot of the times coupled by the anxiety of, can I get it done? Will it be something that is worth the time investment that I made. We talked about last last time. Uh, leaving your stamp on, like you okay. know, are you are you making that? Are you leaving your legacy? You know, and every project wants to be at least another page in that book. But you get the imposter syndrome. You get the the fear and the doubt. And then being able to like just put it out there, uh, have criticism. Even like the I think the hardest thing is for for me has always been unsolicited advice or criticism okay where sometimes i i like to do art for the sake of art i worked really hard to not perfect my craft because I, I don't think i'm ever going to perfect my craft but to get to know my craft and make it familiar to me as like an extension of me okay um and that's not without the people who have helped like teach me or influence me in, in all various aspects but you get a sense of You get a sense of being very protective when you're putting something out there and someone's quick to like hey x y and z and just point and do this and this and this and i've always been uh you know i have talked about this in therapy where i don't know if it's my sense of like needing to prove myself or feel seen or feel validated in in my efforts and what i do but i'm always especially now that i'm older with the things that i do i try to be like super proud and have that tougher skin to just be like nope this is like i did it like i did it i did the thing mm-hmm. no matter what anyone says or wants to say about
0: it. okay but do you think that and let's talk about being proud because i think sometimes artistically there's moments that we're proud and there's moments that we're prideful. And I think in dealing with fear and, and also dealing with imposter syndrome is dealing with a, a sense of pridefulness where we have a project in front of us or, or there's something that we want to work on. And we're so set on the direction of that project that we're, we overlook constructive criticism. We overlook mm-hmm. constructive feedback. I know people who've created characters that, are very two-dimensional and, and not to burst their bubble. But if you say, Hey, have you ever thought about doing a three fourths you or doing something that makes the aesthetic of the, of the character pop out a little bit more, they shut down. And I mm-hmm. know what that's like too. Like, you know, shutting down based on criticism, I'm uh, getting, handing out scripts and then uh, scripts of stuff that I've written and then having somebody turn it back to me and be like, well, you're missing this, you're missing that. Mm-hmm. And instead of, Using that as a motivation, I'm now stepping back because I'm so prideful in my own uh, object- objectivity of my it. work. Yeah, you know, like like I created this and now I'm like, oh, man, like, like how, how you know, how, how did you see something that I didn't see? I should have saw that mm-hmm. to the point that it hampers me from moving forward. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine that for you. So I remember earlier you were saying uh, in, in episode one, you were talking about writing your book. Mm -hmm. you know, that you went through different parts. So you had your book already flushed out and Mm -hmm. written, but then in your mind you were, or you kept setting these other stages of, okay, you know, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do that instead of just dallying in on just the book itself.
1: Mm -hmm. So you covered a lot just now. So I'll, I'll, I will say like, when it comes to approaching something, let's go back to me uh, being a uh, spoken word artist. I used to like do open mics and and what have you. Uh, You kinda, I've always been the guy who never did the same poem initially first. So I always rotated whatever first poem I had. And that first poem I had would always be like my sacrificial lamb poem. The one that I used to shake out the anxiety, the cobwebs, the fear, and kind of push me through. And then, as I got more into it, uh, as as Darius talked about it, repetition of doing that allowed me to use my fear to push through a lot of those moments, and I get excited for the fear. Um, there's a great uh, there's a great quote in uh, the Italian Job where he goes, "Fear is good. It'll keep you sharp." Mm-hmm. Like I always love that line, but when it comes to now the fear of critique and your pride, like you should always be proud of what you put out there. There's always that line case in point, the, the one of the characters like always comes up uh, for me is like Vegeta. Okay. Vegeta himself will say it all the time. I am the most prideful kind of person. And from a unknowing eye, it mm-hmm. feels very self-centered and egotistical. Okay. But if you if you like watch his character growth and his development, he is literally one of the last like beings of his race. He knows their potential, he knows their history, he knows the importance of who they are. Mm-hmm. And he's never gonna let anyone tell him differently about who they are. So he has pride in that he can be prideful uh, in his overconfidence. And I, I think that's where, like, that prideful mentality comes in where you're overconfident or you're not able to look at your own faults and, like, your own areas of uh, uh, that need to be improved. Okay. Yeah. Cr- man, critique is a, a very hard one because you're – on the one side, I will say – Critique isn't something that everyone can do. Everyone can give critique, but it takes the right critique to actually positively, I think, uh affect the person that you're trying to give the critique to. Or how about how
0: about this? Anyone can critique, but mm-hmm. not everybody can give constructive criticism or constructive feedback. Yes. I think it's think it's more of that, you know. Yes
1: it's that it's that kind of thing where like it's not what you say but how you say it Mm -hmm. and i know the world is a very cold bitter place and they're just gonna be like yo you take your l's you take your licks and whatever the case is but as as someone who's worked with kids most of his life i know that how you say things can greatly affect a person oh i almost want to ask Sean what he means. So
0: uh, right now, uh, just to kind of clarify, so uh, the show is being produced by Sean Luke, um, host of the Geektopians, as well as the Jesus for Geek podcast. He's actually kind of monitoring everything and you know so pretty much he's saying to us uh isn't there a very thin line between that so i guess he means a very thin line between critics between criticism and constructive feedback i think this is i think this is more of an interpretive thing because Mm. once again everybody anyone can criticize something anybody can give their opinion on something but to law's point it's really about what is actual feedback you know something that you can take, review, and walk away from having more of a of a wider lens versus a, a comment that may be very narrowly focused into an area that that person may not may or may not have actual knowledge of what they're
1: talking about. It, it also goes back to our last week point of how people learn. So if you're going to give someone a critique and they're not the mentality or headspace to know what to do with that critique, Mm -hmm. then it's going to fall on deaf ears or that's going to be the thing that just plays in their head forever because Mm -hmm. they don't know what to do with this critique. It just comes at you and you're like, I've never been able to fix whatever that problem that they saw was.
0: Yeah. But I think that's on both sides. So there is, there is, you know, that
1: is definitely a two way street because Mm -hmm your ability to give a critique is only as good as the person's ability to take a critique Yes. or, and to understand that, like, I was, I promise you, I was just having this conversation with, uh, with turt the other day about, especially with friends and like, like mm-hmm. really like people who care about you and your work and what you do, they're only going to criticize you and criticize the things that you do because they care. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't take the time and energy to do it if they didn't care. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there are people who do it for a professional thing and you know the whole whole night. But that still goes with who's giving you the critique, how are you getting this critique, and what are they critiquing?
0: I think the the viewers can agree, especially the creative viewers. Um, there's this thing where it says, if you're trying to build an audience, the, the worst people to build an audience with is your friends and your family. Because your friends and your family, they're not going to give you constructive feedback. They're going to give you the, I support you in whatever you do. And they're mm-hmm. not really an audience to go to. Um, and this doesn't mean that you may not have amongst your family or your circle of friends, someone who is within the field or, or very observant to either, you know, photography or, or just the medium in general. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, when you're getting started in being in, in the road of showing that you are an artist, you're an artist, you're creative, and you want everybody to take part in seeing your creativity, not everybody can
1: be a part of that, you know, or at least in the way you, you want, you want them to connect with what you're doing. It's also that, that conversation that we had um, about like validation from, Mm -hmm. from your peers. Okay. So your family uh, and friends, it doesn't it doesn't not mean a lot when they say like oh my gosh good job I'm proud of you the third but like if your favorite ex in your same field gave you that same praise you would be over the moon you know what I mean okay and it's it doesn't take away what your parents your friends your family whoever you know your spouse said it doesn't mm-hmm. take away from what they said but there is that level of And I think it's true for most artists that we, I guess it's like self-deprecating. I I don't know what it, like, it's one of those things where I guess it's uh, even more so imposter syndrome. Like you hear the compliment, you hear Mm -hmm. the, you know, the good feedback and everyone likes this and a third, but you're like, do you like it or do you like me? Ah, yeah. You know, are you, again, are you supportive of me and like, whatever I do, you're like, all right, cool. Mm -hmm. You know, but some, you know, someone who doesn't know you from a hole in the wall picks up your work and goes, holy shit, this is amazing. That's that means a lot. Or someone who you feel like has the resume portfolio or experience that showcases that they are someone who can give you that feedback and be like, yo, you really did your thing. So so let's let's
0: yeah, I'm, I'm smiling because here there's going to be a question here. Um, So let's. Let me ask you this. How do you handle uh, those moments when you're getting feedback and you're kind of questioning? Because I know a lot of times when we are getting feedback, we do go to this to this middle area. Like Mm -hmm. there's a fork in a row where we do question, is this constructive feedback or is this like you said, you like me like for yourself? How do you one identify that? How do you identify those moments? And when I mean identify, how do you identify when you're in that fork in the road and you're juggling between is it A or is it B? Mm. And second to that is how do you overcome that to kind of like, do you step back? Do you like, so that's a two part question right there.
1: Yeah. Um, So, again, it's something that I still struggle with. I again, one of those conversations I've been recently having, I had a conversation with one of my my uh, newer friends, uh, Scotty. And uh, so me and Scotty just became friends very recently. And they themselves are on the other side of the artist's like field where they worked with um, photographers and videographers, whatever the case is. But they were on the business end. They were on the like ad- admin side. Okay. So they know, they essentially know what the, the client is looking for. They know what the, the, the business is looking for when they're looking for you. So they gave me, or he, he gave me the critique for it. And I was just like, oh, I didn't get that critique from X, Y, and Z, but I've gotten, I, what I thought was really harsh criticism from friends, who were either in that field or were artists themselves in some right. Mm. So to get that field from a completely new perspective was interesting. But for me, I always, again, it's, it's like a, you wince a little bit when you get that feedback. I always have a sense of like, I guess like super anxiety, butterfly, like fire flight. Okay. I don't like, I'm not sure. What, how am I gonna respond to this? So, I just try to understand that they're saying this, like, mm-hmm. like Turt says, they're saying this and they're doing this for a good reason, like because they care about you and they want to see you do better and they want to see you do great.
0: Well, I think another thing is sometimes I think people have to know that not all moments call for a response. Sometimes the, mm-hmm. the very act of just taking it in and listening to the feedback is more and showing that you're just taking it in and you're, and, and you're about to at some point, you know, start displaying the action of what you take it in. So mm-hmm. I think not all situations call for a response. Uh, I, I'll use Sean, for example. Sean will literally tell me, hey, slow down. You know, hey, do this. Hey, maybe you need to look at it from a different lens. Maybe we need to look at it from a different perspective. And in the past, I would be like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm i know what I'm doing. I'm doing it this mm-hmm. way, uh, or what he would call the Kubrick mm-hmm. way. And then now, you know, when he'll 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 message me something, and instead of being in this, I'm ready to fight back because I'm in defense mode. I'm more like, no, like, let me hear more. I need to know Mm -hmm. your perspective. What's this lens that you see that I don't see? Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes when you're creative, once again, you are locked into your own lens when it comes to the projects that you're working on. And that can make or break you. Either you as a solo artist, mm-hmm. you know, with this mindset that you think you're a genius, um, not <laughs> saying that there are not saying that there aren't genius artists out there, but but just creating that persona that you are a genius and and everything you do is is great. And the reality is you, your lens might need some more flexibility or, or wideness or. Mm-hmm. The um the exact opposite where it's your lens you're not giving your lens you're not cleaning your lens you're not giving your lens
1: enough room to
0: to see other oppositions or other things
1: up. So I'll I'll raise a thing that that's happened to me a lot a lot of times where I've gotten feedback or or critique again how they say it to me and how I interpret it. Okay. And so I've had I've had experiences where I've described them like. Someone is telling me to build, um, a couch, right. And they're like, that's not how you build the couch. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm building this cabinet system. So they keep getting mad at me because I'm not building this couch. And I'm like, I know how to do this. Like, I know how to build furniture. Like this is, and I keep working at something Mm -hmm. and working at it, working at it, working at it. And they're like they get frustrated with me because I'm working at something hard. I'm pouring all my energy into something, which is something I always do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then get, I almost pour too much of myself in it. to when they are ready to just be like, I'm done. And I finally go, why didn't you just tell me to build the couch in the first place? Okay. You know,
0: but they were like, telling you the whole entire time to build the couch.
1: Sometimes they were, but they, but they were like, I need, I need this thing done in the living room. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not, I need the couch. So it's literally, I'm looking at all of it and I'm like, oh, the couch is like an easy thing. Or, I, or I'm just ignoring the couch because I don't need the couch right now. I need this cabinet done so we can make space for all the other shit in the room.
0: So my question to that is, do you think that sometimes when that happens, it's because the v- visibility of the project or the product that is being worked on has been delivered far too soon and what i mean by that is um a lot of times we will be so excited with you know songs that we're working on uh videos that we're working on uh photos or or just some form of storytelling that we're working on that we want another view and opinion from the audience but we we rush a product that either isn't even fully started or it's it's not even fully completed to even Mm. be in the presentation phase Mm. that we get frustrated at hey i just wanted to show you this and instead of verbalizing and just saying hey i just wanted to show and share this with you we mistake that for or i think the perception becomes oh if you're sharing this with me then you want my feedback and i think there's where the mis- the miscommunication is because there's no clarity. There's no, you know, um and a good example of this is um uh, if you're showing
1: somebody this because you're excited like just generally excited. Correct. You just need yeah. I,
0: not, a good example of this is um I had a a, a friend, an ex, um a person. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna say a person a a person who they were they are very talented and what they do whether if it's illustration or collage pieces or painting Mm -hmm. and at the time they would come to me and they would ask me to give them constructive feedback on their artwork okay and when i began to give them constructive feedback they would get upset and i'm like hey why are you upset and what i realized was they wanted not constructive feedback from a person who's also a a content creator or an artist, they wanted feedback from a person who is a friend, other or boyfriend. So I had to dial back and whenever they showed me their artwork, I had to kind of suggest, Hey, I can give you constructive feedback, but I need for you to tell me what kind of constructive feedback do you want? Mm -hmm. Do you want the constructive feedback of a boyfriend or do you want the constructive feedback of someone who's creative
1: does that become the conversation where you say do you want me to say something that feels good or you want me to say something that's the truth i oh wow Oof. <laughs> i feel like that i feel like there's a so it, once again
0: there's a thin line there
1: yeah yeah but i <laughs> feel like the so it's a very quick like step and you become it becomes that conversation. It becomes, do you want me to be nice about this or do you want me to just tell it how it is but or at that's least how what, I see how it
0: is? But that's what happens when you, when you take an unfinished product or a product that you're very happy with mm-hmm. and you put it on the table for all to see or for a select few people to see and you don't clarify what you want their reaction to be. Do you want them to give you constructive feedback can you, or do you want them to say, do you want them just say words of affirmation and encouragement? But can you even control that? I don't think it's, I don't think you can control it, but I think you can kind of create and set the tone. Once again, it's about communication. Mm-hmm. If my partner came to me and said, Hey, here's this, I have this artwork and as amazing as it is, mm-hmm. I can, once again, I can be very critical and give constructive feedback and 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 also provide, you know, maybe some solutions to things that they're having problems with or go talk about the detailing or what's my perception of what they're creating. But they may not be asking for that. They may just be asking for something very simple and that's words of affirmation to be like, hey, how do you like this? I like it. I like it. Why? Now they start going to details like, why do you like it? Okay, that sets changes it a little bit, but I'm going to go based on their on what they're asking me. Not necessarily what they want, but what they're asking me. And it's a very slippery slope to say, like, giving them what they're asking me versus what they want. Because once again, if they ask me, hey, what, what do you like about it? Once again, I may end up crossing back into that constructive feedback area, but I have to be able to watch my words and just be like, okay, you know, I like this because your use of colors, your use of material, um, Mm. it pops. Um, And I've always learned to stay away from the word like. Uh, I had professors who said, whenever you're describing art to someone and they ask you how do you feel about? It? Don't say the word like. And I know I said it like twice, but you don't say you like something because like doesn't really tell you anything. I can look at your photos and be like, "You like Charles? How do you feel about my photos?" And I say, "Well, I like them." In your head, you're automatically going to be like, "Well, what do you like about them?" So that's why you stay away from like. So if you say, "Charles, can you take a look at my photos? What do you think about them?" I can, there's more words in the dictionary. Hey, I think your photos pops. Um, I really enjoy the contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, your where you have your photos, the the setting or um, the perspective that you're creating in your
1: photos. That gives me in the vibes that, of, or it feels like. A... And
0: those are still words of affirmation mm-hmm. because now it adds to your creativity, and it also says that I acknowledge your work versus I like I like your photos, I like your videos. You know, that's, that's no different than going on YouTube and posting a video or somebody being like, I like, but not commenting. I like. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's not wrong. Not wrong.
0: So uh, what, uh, what, what was that, Sean? You said that uh, – so our producer, Sean, is saying have 50-50 on that. Um, I mean, once again, it is, it is a slippery mm. – once again? It's a very thin line. I think I'm very happy that I use the words affirmation, words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. It does make you question at time, and and audience, please let us know as well. You know what works for you, uh, words of affirmation or just an other. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what I don't really know what the other is mm-hmm. other than words of affirmation, um, or constructive constructive feedback. I guess mm-hmm. I guess that's the the thing. Darius also brought up something that I think you you kind of touched on it. He was saying that another thing that creates fear or holds us back is reaching milestones that aren't milestones. Ooh, yeah. So he was talking about like, you know, when he first started, he was more excited when he got comments versus when he hit a certain number viewers or a certain number of followers and i think that does relate sometimes to to like our creative processes because i know for myself there's been times where like i've put out stuff Mm -hmm. and i was more happy to have a conversation with people than when i got to a place that more people wanted stuff i became overwhelmed and i didn't feel necessarily moving forward or 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 wanting to produce more for some reason. Like I just kind of became self-deprecating because I was like, I think the idea is that the bar is high. Or maybe I'm confusing what he's saying, but I feel like in this situation the I set a idea that the bar is high um and that I'm not able to match the bar that I set.
1: Well I'm gonna hit a few things. So with feeling like you're never gonna get that same satisfaction from one thing than the other. So like, Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like that comes from a place of, of never kind of being satisfied. Okay. So like, I think Darius brought up the idea of money and like a a millionaire never feeling satisfied with Mm -hmm. the money that he gets because he has money, but he needs more. Like, what what becomes the end goal when you can literally just keep pushing that end goal line? Mm. So, I think definitive things or, like, first time or experience. An experience, I think, weighs more than a milestone. Sometimes a milestone can be an experience, but a lot of the times an experience is like, oh, shit, I just had my first, uh, you know, big raid come through. I just had my first, you know, uh, I just, I just became an affiliate, you know, affiliate is a milestone, but that was a huge experience and moment because it shifted that my now twitch my now twitch, you know, experience. Okay. Um, so it's a lot for, for that perspective, it becomes a, how do you define it for yourself? It's not always going to be cut and dry. And I don't think it's, and I don't think, I don't think it's going to be ever cut and dry. I also don't think it's going to be something that is, um, the same for everyone. I will say when you said, um, you've now set the bar higher and you want to reach this, uh, thing, you always want to do better than your last. Absolutely. You always want to feel like you yourself are improving and whether that be metrics, the criticism, the feedback, anything that feels somewhat tangible that can give you a marker for this versus that mm-hmm. is always something that you kind of look for. But when you start creating for that, now you're chasing something that's always going to change and you're always going to chase.
0: So I think and I think the word that I'm looking for here is is perfectionist. Right. I think when you're when you're consistently trying to be a perfectionist, and this is something that I have a battle with this all the time. Because for myself, you know, I, I have a certain look that I want, I have a certain mm-hmm. idea of what I want. And sometimes I'm right in the sense of if I want this, I should be able to communicate why I want this and why this will work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where communication comes in. But there's times where in those conversations. I also have to be open-minded to listening to partners and teams and, Mm -hmm. and knowing, okay, you know what, even though I want this, it's not, the logistics aren't there for it. So Mm -hmm. I may have to step back. And I think that comes with growth in time and being one of those people that takes time to listen. Um, But I can imagine that we also have people who, are still struggling with that, that, you know, they want to not want to, but their internal instincts when it comes to creating is that they are perfectionists and they don't know how I want to say humble
1: themselves dial back. I I don't know what the correct. Um, Well, so, all right, one, it kind of goes back to my earlier point from Peter. uh, I stole it from Peter McKinnon, uh, but done is better than perfect. Okay. It also goes back to the, uh, to the idea of uh, I think it was uh, Sarah DG who was like one for me and one for them. So when you create, okay. you want to create for yourself just your own passion product. You don't mm. care about the analytics. You don't care about like you're not chasing any of that. Right. And then um, to that all encompassing uh, factor, your the idea that your last thought, I had the, I had the trail off.
0: Yeah, they're being a perfectionist,
1: not so much being a perfectionist. Cause I, uh, the bar. Oh, it's gonna, it's gonna come back to me and I'm gonna be like, Oh, I got it. <laughs> but, but essentially the, the idea that when you're doing a project and you're collaborating, you're listening and you are ultimately getting all this feedback, you're, you're like, you know, trying to better yourself. Like, that's always the goal. You're always trying to be a better version of yourself down the road. Okay. But it starts with the ability to understand who you are as an artist, who you are mm-hmm. in the scope of what you're doing. And it, it, it's a lot of understanding at the end of the day. Okay. Like, I think a lot a lot of the times when we, we ourselves, like, become artists, that's what it was. We are – when we become artists – we are looking at ourselves through a lens of someone else. We are comparing ourselves to someone else. Mm-hmm. Art in and of itself is a very subjective thing that when commercialized or criticized now becomes objective. But that defeats the purpose of art. Because art is like I, almost any philosopher has always said art is meant to be subjective. Art is meant to be interpreted, or interpreted however you interpret it. But once you start making it definitive, now you start losing the ability to have that interpretation be whatever you want it to be. So I I, I
0: slightly disagree. And the reason I do is because I think that there are certain rules. You you learn rules for everything
1: to be able to break.
0: Correct. Correct. And I, and I think that, oh, my God, because I have, I have, I'm so back and forth with this, right? Mm-hmm. So I agree with what you just said, that you learn rules in order for you to be able to break them. I think what happens a lot of times is one or two things. And I'm going to talk about branding, and I'm going to talk about just the creative process. As far as branding goes, I think that when people create, they know what they're capable of. Their, their work has a look that fits a branding that's Mm -hmm. theirs when the work doesn't fit that branding or that sense of their own artistic identity then it becomes overwhelming in the sense of you know i went either with the rules or i created my own rules and breaking the rules to to create this but i don't feel like this fits so you may not put it out you may not bring it forward because you're kind of like does this represent me and it it may not I, i used to tell my mom that um if I don't sign, if I don't sign one of my paintings, then that painting isn't brought to life yet. And in that regard, it's more of when you bring something to the forefront that is either not fully started or not really complete enough to bring it to a the visual eye. You kind of get Do into you this place feel like mm-hmm.
1: that. That's a whole another philosophical, like artist conversation that we always uh. tend to come up with. Is is an art piece? ever truly done
0: oh i believe an art piece is done but i believe that is based on the beholder of the artist mm-hmm. and i feel like once you... I,
1: I know a lot of artists who have said like mm-hmm. i never think a I never think a piece is done
0: no i think I it's think... i
1: think it's ready to be out there but mm-hmm. I, I but if you told me five years from now to make changes to it because i've gotten better in my craft mm-hmm. i can still work and improve or alter that whatever Uh,
0: i don't i don't i feel different about that i feel like once you sign and put your and i'll use i'll use south park when south park made fun of uh spielberg raiders of the lost ark and star wars when they were making fun of the remakes and they were like you're remaking this stuff but you already put it out there and once you put it out there to the audience it no longer belongs to you it belongs to the audience. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe that once you put your signature on it and you put it out there, it is done. Because you made that conscious decision that it was ready to go out for viewership and to be passed around and to generate views and audience. I also believe that if it's something that you believe it's not completed and you can do more, you can is, go is back.
1: room for like a sequel, like a uh a- or 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 something to add to it, but not not add to the piece directly, but to kind of bookend and just keep adding. I think it's that based way. on
0: the, it, it's based on the medium. Like if it's mm-hmm. dance, you can always change. Like in the performance, you can always change the sequence of the movements and add uh new moves, but. It will never be uh, Flamingo Dance number 1. It's going to be Flamingo Dance Alternative, you know, or mm-hmm. Flamingo Dance 2. If it's a movie, you know, I mean, we we live in the era of, of reboots. So, you know, or yep. maybe the director gets a second shot at something that they didn't get to do the first time. If it's photographs, you know, like, I think it depends on the medium. Some mediums, you can't recapture the way that you did it the first time around but oh, that yeah. doesn't mean you can't go back That's why I and attempt to recreate it and in that recreation what you then are showing is not necessarily what you would have done right you're showing growth mm-hmm. you know if i if i do an oil and canvas painting of the things i don't talk about and i use one particular style and then i i don't I, I think about it over five, five or six years? Then I, I I revisit it. Then it's not the same painting, but it is a newer version of what my ideas was. Something that I think about is um our friend Guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were working on his music video, he was talking giving us the back history of the of the song that we were working on, and something he said resonates with me. He said that the earlier version of the song had a different rhythm beat to it Mm -hmm. and although it's not quite what he he saw it as years later when he revisited the lyrics are the same but it had a different uh rhythmic beat to it Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like that if he would have put that song out you know when he first created it i don't think that he's gatekeep to i think that it's out there But that doesn't mean that he can't go back and create a newer version or an updated version Mm -hmm. that fits where he's at in this current
1: time. Absolutely agree. Stellar, stellar, stellar uh, remarks all around.
0: Yeah, I feel. (laughs) Audience, you know, let us know your thoughts on, on kind of what we're talking about, because I can imagine that when you're when you're a creative person, you do find yourself, you know, dealing with imposter syndrome, dealing with the anxiety of. Do I create? How do I create? Where do I get started? You deal with, do you want words of
1: affirmation or do you want constructive feedback? Like what um, is your level of success feel like? Because I promise you, I did a bunch this year. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, just as much as most people, like all I can list off. I put out a mm-hmm. book. Uh, I had my one year at affiliate stream, like, you know, put out another podcast, like a bunch of different things. Like mm-hmm. huge accolades that I never thought I would do. Shot, shot uh, another music video for, you know, and like I look back on it and there's times I'm like, but it doesn't, it, it's cool, but it doesn't weigh a lot in the mm. grand scheme of things. Well, let's we'll talk about but, that. But then, you know, to a lot of people's point, they're like, mm-hmm. Law, you're 34. People don't accomplish that in a lifetime. And you did that in a six month period.
0: Well, let's talk about that because I think what happens is is that we want to. Oh my god! And it goes back to what we were talking about, about. in the last episode, where like you're thinking about your legacy. What have you done? What have you put out there? And even though it might be an episode here or a, a photo book here, you're always looking for the grandiose, the 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 big prize, like the 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 one that you the put out. Opus. Yeah, and I think that. The reason you're looking for that is because you're chasing, and it goes back to, um, oh god, being. A, it goes back to partly being a perfectionist. It goes back to partly, um, I guess, exposure that you're you want to create for yourself, mm. and but in creating for yourself, you're just never satisfied. Like you know, you, you can do a short film, and you know, I think the moment you you don't give it time to settle in that you did this one short film and you're ready to do the next one. You're kind of, uh, what is it, chasing the dragon? Like, you're, you're you're, you're constantly chasing, and I think that's where burnout comes from. I think that's where dissatisfaction comes from, is because instead of just honing in on what you have in front of you, you're constantly just no, this I, isn't. I,
1: again, I think that's also a result of a lot of what we do uh, isn't isn't something that can be measured in things that are exactly tangible. Like uh, aside from an artist award or aside from, you know, an event, like there Mm -hmm. isn't a lot that uh, at least for me, unless I am just, you know, not unless I'm still in that imposter syndrome moment, which I probably am. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that, we as artists uh, give ourselves enough credit because the things that we did either just don't feel real for us, or not even or, and they don't feel real because there's no tangible thing that shows, hey, we did it. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, you can put a piece of art out there, but do we look at the analytics to tell us that we did it, or do we look at the fact that it's just out there? Or do we look at an award that may come or like you know what's the marker for us that gives us that sense of validation i think ultimately a lot of us are just seeking that validation so that this feeling of like being somewhere and like i know for me a lot of people you know have been like dude you've done so much it's awesome and i'm like no i've i've just been like I, and it's happened so many times mm-hmm. where i am constantly." I guess downplaying accolades or just being overtly humble, whatever you want to call it. But I think a lot of me just feels like I haven't done enough or I'm not where I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm not where I wanna be. So well, how can this measure to where I am if I if this means so much? Why am I still here?
0: So let's go for a circle, full circle here. Do you think that is the self-deprecation part? That Absolutely. you have these accolades, you have a list of things that you can you can show somebody. You have a portfolio, like you you've done things, but for yourself, there's a doubt that comes in because you always feel like no matter what you've done, you have never done enough. You just never, and I think the 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 amount of never being able to do enough is added on when. Your skill set is not just in one medium. I think when mm-hmm. so like when you're when your medium is in digital design and photography and in film, like and you have these accolades that say, Hey, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, you just never feel like it's it's enough. And I've had that too, where I've had friends who are like, Hey, you know, you've done this, you know, you you supported this, you've put this out into myself, I'm like no i don't i don't i don't feel like i then i and 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 i will share this because i know in my own experiences i do beat myself in the head a lot like and i have to constantly take time step away um so that i can put myself in a position that i am thinking rational and not irrational i'm thinking in the sense of you know what yes i am working on this or i have put this out it will take time but what is it that I'm really feeling? Where's this angst or this anxiety come from? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times that anxiety comes from not putting out enough or feeling like there's not enough time to put out what you want. So you, so even though you might have put out maybe within two years, five or six things, those five or six things might had you know, either a positive or just a sense of review, but you just still feel like, It's not enough.
1: Mm.
0: And you start extending out to like excuses of, oh, it's time. I don't have enough time or I don't have enough resources or I don't have enough people or uh, it's just me.
1: And that, and that's hard because I know, especially now it's like we said before, it's so hard right now to be an artist. It's so hard right now to be a creative when it's become so obvious that artists aren't really valued. I think, people like art people don't appreciate the artist i should say Mm. without getting too too deep into it i think it's really hard to feel your work has you know made this great impact and most other stuff when you know you're again you're chasing that dream you're chasing, chasing 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 and there hasn't been anything that's that Gave you the, the satisfaction mm-hmm. because, you know, again, those five, six things that you did are not, a ta- again, it comes down to, it doesn't even have to be a tangible, like physical thing, mm-hmm. but something that goes, that was it.
0: Well, I think the other, there's another lens that we're not looking at. Mm-hmm. I think it comes down to also exposure and viewership. Mm-hmm. And here's what and I And mean also, by
1: that. it's hard because, well, I would say, to put things out there mm-hmm. into this whole, you know, vast world. It's hard for an artist to find, you know, the 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 energy, time, motivation for all that when you're also trying to survive, when you're trying to do the day-to-day, when you're trying to do the, you know, I got to eat, I got to put food on my plate, I got to pay rent, bills. Like there's a lot that But, comes I, but to I think it.
0: That, I think that's a different conversation. I think that's a conversation about if you're hungry or not. And that's going to tie into this too about viewership. So because of viewership, we're in a generation where anyone at any time can pick up a medium and either get online, get on social media mm-hmm. and find some exposure. Something I realized when I was in art school and I was I, I was drawing uh, my version of American slash uh, Eastern anime. I realized that when I looked across, everybody was drawing a character that was similar to mine and I got discouraged. But it also put a perspective in my mind that I am not the only one out there doing this. So when I look at TikTok and I look at Instagram and I look at you know the the new age content creator, there are so many people out there who really do put work into what they're putting out there. And there are people who just put out, you know, the Seinfeld method, just this is something that's about nothing that I'm just gonna put out there mm-hmm. and they get viewership. And because there's so many so much uh, you can say it's saturated whether if it's podcasting whether if it's dance whether you know there's so much to take in we're all contending cuz now we're all on equal footing i don't know if it's the 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 downside of capitalism or but we're all contending to to get viewership and i think there's a level of discouragement that comes from that where you're like before social media before cell phones and web you knew about things on a small local level and on that sense of a local level you know in your mind you didn't think that there was a thousand yous out there trying to do the same thing even though there was a thousand yous on a local level trying to do the same thing but now that we're in this international people are working to to put out their own content you're like there's that discouragement that comes from that because now the lens is wider what you do is being looked and this goes back to branding too or um being a perfectionist what you're putting out is considered hey was this your best and right. and and God forbid, if you come from having a skill set, like if you either have a degree or you you have a, a certificate in the skill that you are working in mm-hmm. and you are putting out something that is less than viewable in this modern day and age, so I don't think it's about uh I don't think I think it is about, you know, are you hungry? Are you not hungry? Are you willing to do the work or you just want to put out to you know, just to have your stuff
1: out. That's something we gotta talk about next week. The 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 hunger, the hustle mentality, and like the starving artist, because I have so many thoughts on that.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is you know I've been joined by Law from Tiles by Law, also co-host, and of the podcast Gs for Geek. This is a continuing conversation between us, and we're going to wrap it up here. Stay tuned for more. If you want more podcasts from SketchFed Studios, links down below for the G is for Geek podcast, as well as you can check out Geektopians. If you want more geek content as well, um, head over to the Nerds of the Round podcast. Also, links down in and below. If you want more by Tiles by Law, uh, you can visit his YouTube channel, Tiles by Law. His Twitch, um, which I, you are still doing Twitch like, I, am still,
1: I i i've mm-hmm. been on like a weird like back and forth hiatus like and third i'm working on a lot of things and i needed to take like something needed to take a break and which unfortunately was the uh the short was the, was the hitter
0: if you're into D, check out the medusa po- uh, medusa, ca- medusa
1: casket no nope, medusa's cascade
0: thank you check out medusa cascade uh spotify itunes um, anywhere you listen to podcasts really and that's it for this episode feel free to check out the first episode which will be linked down below and we'll see you next time